Hello and welcome to the Seismic Cinema review and discussion of The Dark Room. I was really trying to develop a really witty introduction, but I kept focusing on all the negatives of my introductions. That was the best puns I could come up with in terms of uh, The Dark Room. <laughs> what do you guys think? I actually really like liked that. And the negatives, <laughs> yes. I quickly clarified the negatives of my introductions and not the negatives of the movie in case that was what you did for it. No, no, I uh, totally <laughs> got what you meant. Good, well, that's a relief. Anyway, so we are Seismic Cinema. It's just me tonight. Uh, Paul and James are, are tucked up in bed. Uh, but you can find us on Facebook, X, Instagram, Threads, and TikTok. Although it's only Paul that does the TikToks. And you can watch or listen on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Pods, and all the other podcast stations. If you want to help James, who is our newest member of Seismic Cinema, buy a microphone, then you can do it at that link. And just before we introduce our guests, we are part of the Podpack Collective, which features a range of names, including Chat Tsunami, Cast and Views, Review It Yourself, Two Girls, One Reusable Cup, Nerdstalgic Podcast, Stop, Drop and Roll, and The Newbies Weird Horizon. So make sure you check out all those podcasts as well. So I'm delighted to be joined by two out of the three expected guests. So unfortunately, um, Shane won't be joining us, but we'll hopefully catch up with him at some point. But we do have the, the what's the, I don't have a, do you have like a, a term for your bromance? We are the undead duo. Yes, you are. Yes. I'm actually in the, the Facebook group, so I should have got that one. So we have <laughs> Annie Scott Guffey. And we have Jake as well. So Jake so clearly only has to go by one name. Right. <laughs> right, guys, thanks for joining us or joining me. Thank you for having us back, actually. We enjoyed it the first time. So thank you for having us back. Yeah. So for anyone who's not um, aware, um, you came on, I think it was around about the same time last year. Yeah. Think so. Yeah, and we talked about the the night of the undead. Um, so you should all go back and check out that podcast and the the movie as well. So Kenny, we'll start with you. Do you just introduce yourself to to uh, people kind of meeting you for the first time. Oh, cool. Okay, so yeah. Um, as uh, the Skinwalker said, <laughs> I am uh, Kenny Scott, and uh, I am a writer, filmmaker, girl dad cleft awareness advocate um you know probably a what is that expression jack of all trades master of none that would be me <laughs> so i'll pass it on to jake <laughs> i don't know how that one's uh that one's gonna be hard to top uh, but for anybody watching uh i'm jake i'm an actor and a filmmaker and a director uh most of our uh most of the work I've done, you can see uh, behind Kenny there in his little screen. It's like rotating. That's uh, all the films that he and I have done together. And, uh, we've kind of created a, uh, a small cinematic universe. Uh, we Night of the Undead, uh, most recent feature, The Dark Room. And uh, we have some new upcoming works that hopefully we'll be able to talk a little bit about when we get further into this. For sure. Yeah, I'd be delighted to hear about them at the at the end, uh, leading into a, hopefully a future installment. So, um, so obviously we're talking about the the dark room today, which I was saying to you, uh, I checked out this morning, um, and I just wanted to kind of start off by talking about the the conception because I'm sure you mentioned this 
back when we talked about the Night of the Undead and you sent the the trailer round about that time as well. So what was the where did the kind of initial idea and discussion come from? I'll, um, that could be either of you wants to answer. Well, I, I just want to say I always had when I was a kid, um, my mom would go to Walmart and get photos developed. And because that was what you did back then, we didn't have like the you know digital anything like that. And I always, <laughs> it always like crossed my mind like what would happen if the person developing the photos like saw something like really sinister, like while they were developing the photos, um, you know, just something that they weren't really sure of. And that's kind of where the idea came from. And then um, Jake kind of took it from there and turned it into what it became. You want to talk about it a little bit, Jake? Well, I think what, uh, you know, uh, Kenny Scott, he, he kind of came up with the idea. You know, we, uh, we've been talking about doing a, uh, uh, we've been talking about doing a, a thriller. And, and this, this, uh, this film itself, it, it went through a lot of changes before it hit the, uh, the final draft that you see on screen. Um, but he had kind of come up with the idea, um, you know, to, uh, uh, what he just said, and, and it stuck with me, and I thought, you know, that's that's a really good idea, and uh, we, as we talked and we developed the idea, it was, uh, it was obviously Deve uh, developed. Growing. Well, yes. actually, yes, it developed, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously, though, and as soon as I told him that idea, he said, yes, Jake's like, I've got the perfect name for it, too, the dark room, and I was like, that's it, I was sold. See, like, from my, the... see, from my perspective, like, see when you... Like first mentioned the film The Dark Room, it didn't automatically take me to developing photos. So it was actually quite a nice surprise when I read the the kind of blurb for the film and started watching it that uh, I think it's a really good concept. It just kind of stuck me originally as maybe more like kind of traditional horror, maybe originally. And mm -hmm. um, so, so it was quite a nice uh, surprise. I've, I, I've not really seen a... Well, it I wouldn't was, say uh, I've, I, yeah, I wouldn't say I've seen a film that's. I would say it's quite unique in that sense. Yeah, yeah we uh, we tried to do a bit of a, a play on words with the film itself, um, just because where it is, it's called the dark room, and the whole film revolves around a you know a photographer who makes discoveries in his dark room, um, and then ultimately after we kind of sorted through the uh, the story outlines and come up with it, uh, I'd reach out to a friend of mine, D.W. Daring. And he kind of helped me come up with a uh, a more developed, deeper script, uh, you know, with the story uh, that kind of, you know, really took on that edge. And uh, a lot of that stuff you see, it's uh, it's very much what made it into the final pro uh, product of the film. Cool. Well, do you have any, do you just want to hear... How do you want to do it? Do you want to hear my thoughts? Or you got any particular yeah, questions sure. you want to ask no, about? No, no, no. We here. want to. Yeah, yeah. We, we, <laughs> listen, we've I've seen this thing nine hundred times. Right. We, we we put it together. Yeah, we're we're always interested to hear what uh, everyone else thinks about the work, and if you like it, or you know, even if you didn't, you know, it's uh, we always we, we like to hear a little bit about everything. And uh, now I will add to uh, people who haven't seen this movie, uh, with it being a uh, it, it is a nostalgic horror film. Uh, as you had mentioned, you know, sort of a nostalgic play on words as the dark room, uh, the whole film, it's, uh, we tried to go very, uh, 
almost Tarantino style. Um, uh, one of my movie, uh, favorite films that he does called the uh, uh, Death Proof, and you know they had the uh, the Grindhouse stuff. Uh, and then we had recently our distributor uh, who released this film had released another film that kind of we we really uh, we really played into the look of the film as almost being analog horror, but it's uh, the whole film is shot as if you know you're seeing it through uh, an old uh, an older camera that has a physical film you know with the mm. brain running through the screen and you catch the the glitches and uh, you know, there's that slight crackle throughout the whole film. So, so it's a, uh, it's really an homage to, uh, uh, to more of those films that were in the, uh, the 19 late sixties, uh, early seventies era of horror. That was interesting. Cause that was something I noted down that there was actually wrote down. There's kind of sparkles on the screen a wee bit at times. Yeah. And yeah. there was the, the kind of crackliness and that, that was actually something that I'd written down to, to ask you about. Yeah, we thought, okay, so the movie's about film. Let's make it look like mm. it was shot, you know, back in, like Jake said, the 60s, 70s on that film, right? And you got that film grain running through it, right? Yeah. So. No, that's that's really clever. And so I've got I've got some notes. So I'll just kind of talk you through them. I thought it'd be a good way to kind of bring up uh, discussion points as we go. So... One aspect of the film that I really enjoyed was the the music throughout. Actually, um, I thought it really was it your wife, Kenny, that was involved a lot in the sound production. No, she right? did sound, but um, right. as far the as the music itself, yeah. came from um, the same guy who did the sound for um, Night of the Undead, or excuse me, the mm. scoring for Night of the Undead, Brian Labuda. Yeah, we we always get comments about his music, Jake. Everybody always mm. loves it. Well, yeah. He, uh, Brian, Brian went, uh, you know, he, he was very much, uh, he, he's a huge fan of the, uh, nostalgic horror. Uh, you know, when the first time I ever met him, you know, he was, uh, he bought VHS tapes about horror. We were at a convention. Mm -hmm. Uh, so he is very, uh, precise about that. And I think that his music that he adds to some of these films, uh, he desires to use a lot of, uh, synth music. Uh, so it really fits mm. the tone of the films. Uh, and he'd done a lot of that on Undead as well, um, you know, very, uh, uh, very synthetic with the zombies. But with this uh, type of film, and that being the same music that they used a lot in that era, um, he's uh, he's basically a master of that. I mean, he oh, yeah. uh, he actually occasionally will uh, he'll shoot videos still on uh, you know fifty millimeter you know old nineteen eighties uh, film cameras. He's he's VHS, you know, so he. He's very good at you know kind of pinpointing the uh, the accuracy of uh, of sound. So he's a he's a he's a very good uh, uh, he's a very good artist when it comes to having a, an overture of a film. Yeah, I thought it created a lot of suspense throughout. Like there one particular scene, I thought the music was really powerful. Was when your character Ezra is uh, discovering like the the images in in the dark room. And yeah. I felt it at that point. They particularly ramped the the music up. Another bit I wrote down was the the kind of establishing shots at the start of like the kind of the landscape and the 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 kind of area in which the film was set. I thought that was really good. Um, like I think I mentioned the last time we spoke that it's only over the last couple of years, really, since we've been doing this podcast, I've been really getting into horror, and I'm a sucker for any kind of like kind of overhead kind of establishing shots 
I am. Like, we, I really am. Now, now I will say, you know, uh, I'm a lot like you in that sense, uh, you know, not traditionally as much as horror, but what we've tried to do is we've tried to incorporate elements of uh, traditional film, uh, you know, as drama and suspense and other uh, stories, but incorporate that with a horror element. Uh, so it's not, uh, it's not a repetitive, boring action in a film of just, you know, mm. killing, horror, scary. It's It's got depth to the film. Uh, you, you feel a real depth. You grow with characters. Uh, and I've been told a lot uh, by these uh, people who have, who have screened this movie. Uh, they say by, you know, towards the end of it, you're you're finding ways to relate to Ezra's character, uh, mm. you know, that I played. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can, uh, you can at times... Uh, when I was doing this, you know, you would really get into it and you start to see, uh, you know, on screen, I think the way it came across, which was, uh, it was, it was very well uh, thought out. Um, you know, Ezra, he's actually, uh, he's descending into his own, uh, his own headspace. So I, I think that came across very well as far as the yeah. drama. It's a really interesting character study, I thought. Um, one of the big parts of the film I liked was the, the relationship between him and the his doctor because that seemed to be like the only relationship that he had that was strong because obviously yeah. you saw him with his sister you don't see the mum I don't think but you you get the sense of he's not particularly close to the the family so that that was that was uh, something I noted down is that although it's only just over an hour and a half long there is a lot of character development on Ezra's part and you do kind of get to know him quite well. I agree. I'm actually kind of protective of that character a bit. You know, I really like the character of Ezra. I think he's a, he's a great guy who just was wanting to just kind of just be normal for just a minute. Right. But you know, well, it's been a struggle, you know, most of my life. But... Right. I mean, no, I, <laughs> you know, all jokes aside, I mean, we can joke about it, but I mean, but you know, I told Jake that I thought this was the best performance he's ever given. And I thought he just did such a fantastic job of playing that part. It was just incredible. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. I really enjoyed it. I also wrote uh, down next to it that um, I wrote Jake, Ezra, that I wrote never give pills to because he can't be trusted to take the correct <laughs> yeah. dosages. Yeah. Was that another big theme in the film about kind of misuse of prescription drugs? Was that something? Yeah. So um, was quite strong I there. Originally, uh, I don't think that necessarily was in the original plot line that we had come mm. up with, but as it was sort of developed, you know, after talking with uh, uh, Mr. Daring and the way that we kind of went back and, you know, we freshened everything up, you know, uh, we wanted to give off the illusion that Ezra actually, uh, we, we wanted audiences to feel if he was mad or if he's sane and what he's seeing is actually true. Uh, you know, so he is in the film, you know, he's he's heavily medicated. He does take, you know, lithium, uh, which his therapist, you know, played by uh, the great Diane Franklin. You know, I was a huge fan of her growing up. You know, the last American virgin, uh, Amityville, too. I mean, she I remember watching her with Keanu Reeves when I was a kid. So to get to work with her was <laughs> it was very well. And, you know, Diane's an amazing actress. And, you know, as far as, you know, being able to feed off of her energy, it played out really well. Um, you know, playing a, a patient who is, uh, you know, struggling with his mental health. Did you did you record in the same place as her? Or was it all done 
Like, do you know how your nope. scenes are done, like video conferencing? Yeah. So, so that was a uh, that was something that we had. Uh, we actually just kind of got lucky with that. <laughs> um, you know, we uh, we had wanted uh, Diane to be in the film when we wanted her in person originally. We'd had her kind of wrote in the story, uh, but as time kind of went on, uh, we actually were able to. Uh, we were together during the shooting of the film uh, on a, a virtual a virtual screen. Um, but ultimately, I, I believe it worked out better, you know, playing off of the uh, the what the, what do they call it? The telehealth call environment. Um, mm-hmm. So I, th- I think it uh, ultimately I think it worked out very well for us. And uh, uh, Kenny was he actually was, you know, behind the whole camera situation for that whole entire because uh, all of Diane's stuff was shot, you know, one day. It was yeah. one day, on actually, one day. just within a few hours, really. You know, I saw yeah. that. I saw that on your IMDb trivia section. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, and uh, Shane Thompson, uh, all of his stuff was shot in a single day. It was. He's got quite a lot of seasons as well. He, oh yeah, re- yeah, for sure. And you know, I want to say too, going back to the telehealth thing, um, in the script, it's like Jake, like Jake said, in the script, he's like in her office and paying her these visits and whatnot. But I really think that the telehealth like calls really kind of drove home that isolation that mm-hmm. Ezra has. Like you said, he's got a strong relationship with nobody except his doctor, and even she's behind a screen, you know. So, so, so did you say that the doctor was was that always Diane Franklin in your mind? Like, was was the part written with her in mind, or did that come afterwards? We knew we wanted her in the movie. We weren't sure what part. I think at one point we had her uh, as instead of the sister, we had the mother paying him a visit, and the mother was mm-hmm. Diane Franklin. Um, but once it didn't work out with getting everything the way that we wanted it to, as it tends to do sometimes when you're making a film, um, we reworked it and we reworked her as the therapist and into those telehealth scenes. And it works for the film so much better Mm. than what we had in mind. And I've found that a lot of times, not just film, but you know, if you're writing a book or you're, you know, painting a picture, some, you know, it'll take on a life of its own and it'll tell you where it needs to go. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I agree. I think it worked well. Like no no offense to Jake, but Ezra was quite a loner. So like, as you say, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it worked worked great. Yeah, it, it it worked great. And you know the uh, the the supporting characters in the film. You know those are honestly part to me. Those are the real. Mm. That's the meat of the film. That those are the real characters that kind of make the film. Ezra is one man, but it's the uh, all the other characters uh, such as. Shane Thompson's character, uh, you know, the seductive mistress, uh, Kayla's character, uh, Diane Franklin's character, all the other characters, they really, they're a reflection of Ezra uh, in some fashion. So they are the ones that really kind of make the film come to life. Ezra's just, he's the backdrop of the whole thing. He's been so modest. Oh, no. Do I, do I, hear right, my... I mean, there's, there's such a strong supporting cast in that film. It's just, Oh, very it's... much so. And honestly, you know, uh, when we were shooting the film, you know, uh, that was uh, that was personally, that was actually one of my concerns was uh, everyone else. You know, I, I almost was like, man, they, they need more screen time, you know, <laughs> because it was when, when, when you go back and watch the final 
Uh, it's it's very strong. Especially, everything down to even uh, the character Jeremy Boggs plays of the Reverend. I mean, it's just it's every intricate little detail. These characters are what basically make up the character of Ezra. Yeah, I think it's a good compliment that see it an hour and 30 minutes. I feel like it could have went to two hours without feeling too long. I felt like I, I would have I would have watched more of it, if that makes sense. I appreciate yeah. it because like Jake said, we've seen it like 900 times and it's like you're sitting there at the mm -hmm. premiere, like watching the screen and you're like, oh my God, how long is this movie? You know, like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't like, believe me, we, we reviewed uh, <laughs> Rebel Moon recently and mm. that was long, 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 long. Whereas yours, I sometimes struggle to watch films in one sitting sometimes, but I was, um, like, I found it uh, an easy watch in that sense in terms of um, going through it that one time. I've got a real hot take on Ezra's character before uh, we talk about some of those other characters. Um, I don't know if it was just, the setting of him working in the in the dark room or just thinking back to shows like Dexter, but I, I really thought he was gonna be the bad guy. I thought he was gonna be the one in the mask. Like I thought we, that through like we most heard of the film. That from everybody that's watched the movie actually. <laughs> the was way that, that the film starts now? out yeah, well, deliberately, the way that the film starts out, it was actually the idea was, you know, it was given to me by someone after we had already cut the film together. You know, we'd already had it cut together, and that wasn't even the opening scene. And, uh, you know, the idea was presented, uh, you know, wow, why don't you start like this? And I don't I don't want to necessarily spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, but the way that the film starts out sets the whole tone of the, the movie. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, is Ezra going to be the killer? And, uh, you know, we've been told that, like Kenny said, a whole <laughs> lot by a lot of people because, you know, they're like, he's the killer because, you know, it, and it almost plays out like you would be, you know, you would yeah. almost any logical person be like, okay, the guy is, he's basically crazy. He's heavily medicated and abusing his medication. He's hallucinating. Uh, he's seeing stuff, you know, and all this stuff doesn't make sense, but you know, it's all, it's all very, uh, to be such a short film. It's, I, I personally believe it's very intricately woven kind of like a web um, it is you know, it's a very each, complex each, piece you know every every little detail in that film matters it, it wasn't until you saw the skinwalker walking about behind him when he was on the phone i think it was and mm. it wasn't until that point that i started thinking it wasn't him but then even then i wasn't sure because in a lot of horror movies there's there's two people dressed up as the same it'd be in his head thing. too right I yeah mean, you don't yeah know. so like it's like the end of a uh, American Psycho. That like people to this day still don't know. Like, if it I just want to say I absolutely love American Psycho. Like that is like <laughs> one of my top favorite movies. I love American Psycho. It's a great movie. Um. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed Ezra's character. Uh, I enjoyed his a uh, shy, shy encounter with um. I wrote her name down. Audrey Mills, and the uh, when she came round. I thought she was really good as well. I thought she created a lot of intrigue and she seemed quite dangerous from the outset. Yeah, very, very mysterious character, yeah. She's immediately one of the classic, almost like the femme fatale in the 1940s noir films. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, mm. that's her, totally. She's like that in real life, too. Like, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of big twists, like the bit where... Like I was like actually like, oh my god when it was 
saying that she and the what's his name David David's character or not David's character David the character uh, that they were married and uh, I was I thought I was really looking forward to Shane being on tonight because I thought his uh, character was a real standout as well. There was just something that immediately put you on edge with him. Shane is he honestly is he that dude has my heart like he does like he is i cannot give him enough compliments um he do you do you remember him from night of the undead which if you tell me if you you tell me who he was then i might (laughs) he was tinfoil hat guy zombies are not real remember the government's trying to make you think they're real that's him the one that drank his own urine the one that drank his own urine yeah In the very remember, beginning with the I clips. Do, I do remember his name. Well, I do remember the, the name of the actor from that point. And I just I just thought I thought he was pretty terrifying to be honest. Like he only he only raised his voice in that one scene, but very yeah, ominous creepy, isn't he? Yes. It, it was powerful, yeah. And you know, in real life he is like the he is like a polar opposite teddy bear. He's like a gummy bear. Like, I mean, he is just like the, the nicest, sweetest dude like you would ever meet, in, you know, in, in real life. Oh, yeah. Like polar opposite it, of that character. So so that that really if, – if if people ever met, you know, Shane in real life, that compliments his acting uh, 10 to 1. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because, I mean, like Kenny Scott said, I mean, the man is uh, the nicest person you will ever meet. And to think that he has hurt your feelings would probably destroy him. I mean, he is the, I mean, he, he loves kids. You know, uh, when we were shooting, he, he, he brought gifts to Kenny Scott's little girl. You know, he's, he's, he's not what you mm. see in the film, you know, and on film he's, he's just very, you know, uh, when he walks on screen from the very second, he almost commands a, a, mm. a sinister vibe, you know, he's menacing, yeah. isn't he? Like he really, I, I, fits. Uh, and, you know, he's just the sweetest dude, though. Like, I mean, just in real life, he's just he's just a lot of fun to work with, and he's a lot of fun to have on set too. Um, so, you know. Well, although I didn't make it tonight, if you if you could pass on my enjoyment of his performance to him, that'd be appreciated. I will, for sure. I, I felt like I felt like to me the highlights of the film were all the scenes and the what would you what. What would you class the 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 shop as the shop face? But um, I think we called it a photo mat, but I'm mm. not sure if that's the technical term for it or not. Yeah, I felt all those scenes were good. So obviously, you had the scenes where Audrey came in the first time, and then David came in, but then you had all the repeat visits as well. And I felt each time he came back as the mystery was unfolding, it, it kind of wrapped Did up the tension. Did you notice? Every time he comes back, and I told Jake, like when he was doing the editing, I said, every time that he comes in, we should make it just a little bit darker tonally, like, mm. and make this, make the actual picture quality darker, you know, um, every time he comes back. And I thought that was really good. That, those, all those scenes were actually shot at the Times Journal office in uh, Russell Springs, Kentucky. And the cool thing was, um, you know, them being a newspaper office, they used to actually print newspapers in their back room. And their back room, if you remember the scene where the door creaks open and it's this dark room on it, 
that was their actual dark room that they used back in the day. And that was their sign that they had on it. And we just left it all the way it was. Um, so it was really cool. Yeah. No, I liked, I liked all, all that stuff. Um, Kenny, I, I couldn't help but laugh that the, you had one, not one, but two two cameos in the film and the, the reporter's name was Kenny. God, yes. I hate seeing myself <laughs> on the screen. Absolutely hate it. But yeah. I always it hate you. Did you hear the thunder? Is that what that was? That's what that was. Um, oh. I always cameo somewhere. In our films, look, it came it, it came in just as uh, Darkroom was on the screen. Good promotion. Ooh, spooky. You know, there was a there's actually a video online uh, talking about the film. Uh, at one point in time, they labeled it as cursed because we had, uh, you know, you, you you sit back and laugh about it later, but at the time, you know, there was a lot of. Uh, a lot of difficulties that come up during this film. We had a lot of production issues. Like even to the one point uh, we were halfway into production and we had basically, you know, kind of shut down. Oh, I heard it now. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. And I feel left uh, out. Yeah. Well, you know, you're only like 900,000 miles away, but it's, it's okay. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but he's right though. There were a lot of difficulties in shooting it. Um, and I think it's really cute, Jake, that you want to pretend like they're over at this point. You know. <laughs> oh, there's always difficulties. I mean, to... to well, to I just eat. wanted to say, like, uh, last week or week before, we got an email from the distributor. And a, there was a comment that was made that apparently there's an image that repeats, like, every, like, 10 frames per second throughout the movie. And they're like, you know, can you guys look into it? And we're looking at it like, I don't see anything. I didn't see anything. Jake didn't see anything. But apparently somebody saw, there's an image. It repeats. And I'm like, that's the freaking creepiest thing I've ever heard in my life. And what was the image? Dude, I never saw it. We don't know. Did you see it, Jake? I, I still don't know. I don't know what it what was repeating. But I know it was... Uh... Uh, I know, Freak I know me the, out. The, 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 the film itself, you know, it, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a piece of its, of its own. <laughs> it's had a, you know, even at one point, Diane Franklin, I mean, at one point she even dropped, uh, we didn't think we were going to get her in the film. So it, uh, it kind of, uh, it became just it took on a life of its own. Yeah. You know? It, it became something that was, at a point, uh, it, you know, we might have actually thought it was cursed. And there's a video online where uh, you can watch this as a trailer, you know, stating all the stuff that happened throughout the film. It caused, a, you know, an uproar in the convention that it was, uh, you know, when we first went to after it was released. I mean, there's just so many things that happened with it. So, Oh, well, hopefully all the wrinkles iron out in terms of the, the distribution. Um, oh, I love it. I love it. All it does is, is you know, fuel that fire that it was cursed, and it's like, hey, you know, let it take on that legend. I don't care. I'm all about it. That, that happened to all the all the best films. Uh, right. I like that. I like that. Um, Ezra was actually watching the Night of the Undead in the in the film. <laughs> yeah, and we uh, we got it. We've got a nice little nod to a lot of our other films. Uh, we've almost, you know, we've really discussed uh, creating a. Uh, 
cinematic universe for a lot of our films. And, Did you, uh, you notice know, Brady from Night of the Undead in the church? Was he? Was he, oh, was he set, the guy that was sitting down? Mm-hmm. I did. I did. He did look familiar, actually. But that was I Brady thought, from I, Night of the Undead. Yeah, I thought. I thought he would become part of the scene, but he wasn't really in the end. He was just kind of um, there in the, in the church. Yeah. Because uh, your Kenny, your cameo was was it not right at the end of Night of the Undead? Um. Yeah, I cameo. Yeah. You see my hands as the coroner, mm-hmm. and then at the very end, there's yeah. a post credit scene. It's just audio where I do the. Uh, classic Johnny line, they're coming to get you, Barbara. Because I always wanted to play Johnny when I was growing up. I thought it'd be cool. So I did I did have a few moments doing the <clears throat> the DiCaprio point. Like when I saw you doing your news report, I was like, I know him. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm gonna go back to my, my notes to see what else I noted down. Uh, I like the sense of intrigue at the start. I really like the, and I don't normally like this in films, but it worked really well here. Um, I like the lack of dialogue in the first kind of five minutes. Like there wasn't really any dialogue in the first kind of five minutes. It was all just the music and the kind of establishing shots. Was that? That was also something. Tell me a wee bit about the the kind of feel you wanted to create with the kind of intro and the the music. I'll let Jake handle that one. What do you think, Jake? Well, well, with the intro and the music, uh, it ultimately I think it worked uh, because it, it gives that sense of, like we said, isolation. Um, and you know, if you went for so long without hearing anyone talk, you know, you begin to speak to yourself. That's a scientific proven fact. You know, you're gonna you're gonna talk to yourself because you, the human brain can't. It doesn't go very long without a uh, conversation. Um, so ultimately it was, uh, I think it was a, uh, very powerful play to, uh, incorporate something that was, uh, silenced because Ezra's character, he, he doesn't actually talk that much in the film. Uh, you know, he, he really doesn't. Um, he's actually, he's, he only usually talks when spoken to. Uh, I mean, there's a few occasions when he speaks, but he only usually talks when spoken to, which I feel kind of, it gives to that grandeur of uh, who he is. Very well said. Very nice. Very well. So did I go for, um, yeah, I really did. (laughs) I really did feel like the kind of Dexter vibes. So, um, but I think that's I think that's good because I, I I'm I'm sure you guys as well love like a a twist in a film, and I think you had like kind of two or two or three, um, as it went along as well. Something about the obviously there's not a lot of like obvious or like scene violence in the film. A lot of it's like another character's reaction or the after the after effects was 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 that the kind of intention or was that just to keep like a certain age rating or was it just the kind of film you liked? Okay. I remember specifically when we were shooting the um, construction site scene with the two boys um, we had discussed how in Psycho you know there's every cut is a cut and we're like okay he should stab him 
but not actually see him stab him, you know, but we should douse the other kid in blood, right? So when he stabs him, we cut to black, and you think that's going to be the end of it. But then it comes back, and he gets doused in all the blood and everything, and I really like that, because it's not overly gory at all, but yet it still left an impact. And it still causes a jump, too, from the audience, because, you know, the character stabbed, they jump, but it cuts to black. And then it comes back, and he's screaming, and they jump again, and he, you know, gets covered. So, um, you know, I, I feel like that that type of, um, that type of scare, jump scare in a film is more effective than gore. And I've just kind of mm-hmm. always felt that way. Um, because well, your imagination is far more terrifying. Right? Absolutely. And, you know, Kenny brings up an excellent point here. I mean, excellent point. If you look at modern day horror films, uh, and there's some I could I could give names to, uh, but I won't just because it's a it's an overall uh, in modern day horror films, they play gore as horror, and you know you're just watching you know more gore than anything. Well, films you can have a lot of gore, but that doesn't make it horror or it doesn't make it scary. What makes something mm. scary is like what he said: your imagination creates things. It creates yeah. things that aren't always there. So you can have a really scary film, and a really good film uh, example of this would be the first Halloween movie, uh, 1978. You can have a really scary film without so much red stuff. I mean, and mm. that's uh, that that's that is true horror. That is true, you know, fear that is played out because uh, if if you're just having gore and blood and guts and all the nasty uh, stuff, I mean, it's just it becomes to a point to where it's yeah. uh it's it's not an enjoyable film and it gets kind of boring and that's what i think we really captivated on uh as far as the uh the night of the undead you know we got a lot of compliments a lot of hate too um but ultimately you know we didn't see just repetitive killing of zombies over and over and blood i mean there's there's a story behind it because uh it doesn't really matter if there's no story and i didn't mean to interrupt you uh there kenny scott uh but you just no, you no. brought up yeah he brought up a very excellent point and, and modern day horror uh if you look at that you'll you'll find that it's often past gore for horror versus you know um story to let the viewer's imagination it doesn't even have to be horror you know as much as i i consider this film more of a suspense thriller than i would just you know full horror yeah i have nothing to add to that that was perfect it's like less, less, less is more. Well, well, it can be, and you know, uh, same way with Ezra's character, and uh, you know, I, I gotta give a lot of credit to uh, Kenny Scott here because he kind of he he did help encourage on how to play that because he said you know Ezra should be descending into madness as he goes, uh, so you find more of an art of listening than speaking as a character, uh, and that character uh, develops. You know, there's a lot of Ezra's you, you can see in his character development he's, he scratches his face a lot he scratches his head he's, he's nervous he's twitching mm-hmm. which it it, uh, it it adds to uncomfortable body language uh, that I, I think is relayed across the screen and you can you sort of get inside his head in the way that he's feeling that's how I felt when I was watching it it changed stress can we talk a bit about the sorry there are, there are spoilers for the dark room for people yeah, listening. Sure. Yeah, probably Absolutely. should have said that at the start. I want to talk a bit about the end of the film because you obviously find out that 
who you thought was the reverend isn't the reverend. So do we are you able to tell any more about um who we thought was David uh, David yeah yeah so is there a backstory into how he then pretended to be or where he comes from and the, the fake marriage is there more to that or yeah so uh uh i'll i will go ahead and i'll say you know uh, if you've not seen the film this would be a good time for you to stop listening <laughs> go watch the film then come back and listen <laughs> because uh like I, I said before details are very uh intricate to this film but uh, I'll let uh, I'll let Kenny kind of take over that. I've rambled on enough, but he he's got a lot of he could probably I feel like I've rambled. <laughs> We're all rambling. It's fine. Um, but no, like as far as with David, who you know we we find out is is Donnie. His name is Donnie, and yeah. he works as a janitor at the church. That's right. Yeah, you know, and that's how he was so able to lift the good reverend's wallet um and pretend to be him and just he was just definitely somebody who was very crazy and just right off the bat that's another thing and that jake and i have joked about like that you know all the people who say you know that they thought ezra was going to be the killer at the end you know, I make the joke all the time. Shane Thompson walks in wearing the exact same jacket with the word killer stamped on his forehead. You know, and we never try to hide who it is. We don't. Was, we, 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 we deliberately done that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we don't hide it at all throughout that film. Uh, throughout the whole movie, it's pretty obvious. You know, at least we thought it was pretty obvious, you know, that he was the killer and we're like, you know, there's not really going to be any suspense for that. But then it turned out that yes, there was a lot because the audience was thinking it was a red herring and it was really Ezra. And maybe because he's not, he's not in it at the very start. Like, I don't know when his first appearance is, but it, it's maybe like, I don't know, 20 minutes in or maybe more than the that. Audience thought it was, you know, a red herring and they, mm. you know, they just, they, totally didn't buy what we were putting in front of them. And I love that so much. Um, the audience, and, they're always right. Well, it shows <laughs> that some things are exactly what they seem. You know, you're looking for stuff mm -hmm. that shouldn't be, you know, everybody's looking for the mystery. And sometimes, uh, you know, uh, truth is stranger than fiction. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of what we were going for. Uh, but, you know, I thought, you know, as far as a backstory, uh, we never we we didn't get really to play into that a lot, you know, in the film. Uh, but, you know, it, it had sparked before, you know, like what if there was a, a janitor or somebody who was basically a nobody, but he was posing as, you know, being married to uh, this woman. And uh, he uh, the the character that, who Shane Thompson plays is actually he's very smart because you find out later he knew that, you know, uh audrey was she she even admitted you know she was uh she knew who david fox was but it wasn't the same one that uh ezra had met so it's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. a it's kind it's kind of a play off of uh off of how you see things and you know it's it's a uh, it's one of those there at the end you're kind of like wow because it just <laughs> there's so many things that just they're exploding and it's it's the little details that make all the difference in that yeah no so i was i've only watched it once i'm i'm a master procrastinator <laughs> it's uh 
but I definitely want to go back and watch it again now I know how it ends. What what was interesting though that kind of debunked my theory was you see spoilers, you see Ezra not dying, but you see him getting stabbed at, at the very start of the film, which is like you basically showed the end at the start, which is an interesting uh, way to go about well, it as well. Well, like I said, that idea was suggested to us and you know, it was like, uh, well, everybody's thinking, you know, that guy dies anyway, so let's just see how it plays out. But you're not expecting the very end. And like you said, spoilers. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, and it was a brilliant suggestion to do that because you see the end first. But like Jake said, you don't see that couple minutes after. Right. And that, and so that makes all the difference. That. Yeah, it does. And. I love that shot, which, I mean, we've already went into spoilers and everything now, but, like, I love that shot when Shane comes out and he he takes off the mask and he just gives that smirk and looks around like I got away with it and looks out the door of the, um, of the shop. But then he turns around and Ezra's standing right there. And I just love that. Are those masks on sale for Halloween this year? Are you going to get it trending? Well, I was hoping that we would. Now, this mask is the actual mask that was used in the film. Um, and I want to be clear, too, that you know we shot all of Shane's scenes in one day, but it wasn't always Shane that was under the mask. The only time that Shane was really under the mask was the end scene where he stabs Ezra, right? Um, and then the part where he walks out taking off the mask. That was the only time that he was actually under this mask. Um, the rest of the time we had like stunt people and, you know, whatnot under, um, just because Shane lived, you know, he lives, you know, like four hours away and we couldn't keep him down here for that long just to hide him under a mask. Right. It wasn't really fair to him. Right. So, um, anytime that you see the killer it's usually not shane under the mask usually okay. so was there so. any was there any significance between the were the killings all random like the boys at the the dig and the, I, I think they were i think there were sacrifices to his um i want to say his little green goblin you know um his his and you know i th I, th I think the fact that we never went into detail on that almost leaves mystery you know to yeah the film mm -hmm. because you're just sitting there wondering like you know what the hell is this you know like, <laughs> hey uh you know he's uh we, we didn't explain it so it almost it almost gives off a creep vibe yeah. because let's be honest human nature is to fear what you don't know you know you always Absolutely. fear what you don't understand and so when you kind of lead that into that and it's also playing is like it's a false religious, you know, scheme that, you know, his character is playing. Uh, you hear in different things, you know, the feather was found on the old native Indian burial ground and then the kids are out there and they're killed. And, you know, it's, it, it adds to a lot of things. I don't, that I don't, that was originally I like the, sorry, can you I'm sorry. I just wanted to get this point out before <laughs> we moved on the original opening cold open to the film was the scene where the guy's walking down the street and runs into the skinwalker mm -hmm. you know the scene i'm talking about right yeah, yeah yeah snaps his neck fun fact 
that guy is actually the older brother of Adam from Night of the Undead. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I'd, I'd written down kind of Black Feather question mark, but obviously it was covered later in the film that it was just like a a symbol of it was like, like a calling card. Yeah. 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 Skinwalker was here. Yeah. Got a big question for you. Is what film do you prefer out of The Night of the Undead and The Dark Room? Or is that like asking you to choose between. Yeah, that's like asking you to choose between <laughs> your children. I can't. You know? Mm. Oh, Jake's like. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, you don't have to. You don't have to answer, brother. Yeah, I, I don't think I will. I don't think I will. But you know, we'll, we'll let that speculate for a little, for a few years. There you go. I, might, I might answer it in a few years. It, it grows. It, each one grows on you a little differently. He's, he's he's definitely. I don't know if I don't know if it's recency bias, possibly, but I think I preferred the dark room personally. We heard that a lot. A lot of people did, and. um you know, it's um, it, it's a film that I am very proud of. I am tremendously proud of it. I think it's. I just like when I was thinking of coming with you guys. Obviously, I'm just a a teacher who does podcasts once a week for fun. But you you guys actually go out there and make movies, which is incredible. It's it's not something I can ever imagine myself doing. <laughs> you know, a lot of people say that, and. Uh... It'll be different when you're doing it, I suppose. Well, it's uh, it's it's more along the lines. You know, we talk about this a lot. You know, Kenny and I. And it's just the fact of you know, if there's a story you want to do and there's something you want to do, uh, the only thing that kind of stands in your way of doing it is you. Um, and if there's a you know, a lot of people they they limit themselves to you know budget. You know, I don't have the the means, the money, whatever. If you can make a movie make it i mean you would probably actually like be amazed if i told you the budgetary uh, restrictions behind night of the uh, night of the undead but we still made the movie and you know ultimately uh, that film you know it grossed more than the whole thing was worth i mean so it's uh it's it's just all the fact of it just comes down to how bad you want it and i i truly believe that you know it's uh you know, a lot of people are like, oh man, you guys make movies. It's a, uh, you know, who you are, and it's uh, you know, we're no different than anybody else. You know, we we get up, and, you know, uh, we we work the same as everybody else. It's just the fact of uh, if you got a good story to tell, uh, you should tell it because you know if if, you, if there's something you want to do, you should do it. And life is gonna, it's very short to not do that. <laughs> you need you need the skills as well, though. I suppose the editing skills, the Camera scales, all that kind of stuff. I mean, well, I say that, but you would you would be surprised at how minimal it it, it takes. Now, I'm not taking away from anybody's skills from the uh, you know the uh, the actors, uh, the the directors of photography, and even the editing. You know, and I do most of my own editing on a lot of these films. You know, I I do a lot of the editing, but. It, that goes back to just it determines how bad you want to do it because if you want to do it bad enough uh, those things they, they come natural you kind of learn as you go mm. and um as as you have a good team that's that's a real solid thing is to your team that's making the film like such as a uh, you know 
Kenny and I, you know, we, we directed the film together. We put our heads together on how it was going to look, you know, editing, uh, Brian Labuda's music, you know, the directors of photography and everybody kind of works as a solid team and the whole thing's kind of fits together like a puzzle. Real, real team effort then. Oh yeah, for sure. What was I I tested and was, um, you see it a lot and kind of the movie industry is like people directing and acting like was that mm-hmm. how do you kind of strike the balance there when you've obviously got the two the two hats on well as uh you know and me where i play more of a lead in this uh for me personally night of the undead i felt was uh it was a lot easier for me to take a step back and direct because I could focus on more things uh, that needed to be done in the film as whereas on this one when you're acting uh, you kind of got to leave a lot of it in the hands of your uh, of your partner or your co-director you know with like Kenny Scott some of this stuff I just kind of I had to be like hey man I think this is what we should do and I had to step back and kind of let him you know brainwave it so you know it, uh, it helps to have you know a good team a good partner uh, but ultimately, I usually, for me myself, I'm usually not, I've kind of got to the place. Uh, I'm not really in anything that unless, you know, I've got some kind of a creative lead, like as a director, you know, with a, like our partnership with, uh, me and Kenny Scott, because it's just, uh, you lose creative control. And, you know, with us working together, we, we always kind of, we, we have a good way of, uh, you know, maintaining that creative control that we both uh that we both desire um now you might he might disagree with me but that's kind of no i i do not disagree i agree completely we we complement each other so well um we work together really well and Mm -hmm. we're just like brothers i mean honestly like you, you would have no idea i don't think that we just met you know four years ago um you know, we really have a great working relationship and we have a great, real, genuine friendship um, offset as well. Um, you know, I mean, I can't tell you usually if something happens, something good, something bad. He's just like the first person I text, you know, mm. um, he's the first person I text. I would say every single morning when I wake up, he is like first thing is like checking on Jake. Right. <laughs> um you know so i think that helps too um yeah well oh yeah i don't want to yeah, say too, because jake already covered that um I, it helps you know but having that genuine yeah friendship well and, and like i said you know some of the things that i couldn't necessarily focus on while acting in the film i had to turn it over to him and you know ultimately uh i think you know he he does a phenomenal job of you know uh, complementing the directorial skills uh, so it's it's very good to have uh, someone who's like-minded with you to kind of uh, cor- incorporate those ideas to your film uh, I really I really enjoy hearing about your friendship and seeing it on social media as well we are kind of tagging each other in posts <laughs> um, it's true though like when we do the podcast like Paul's Paul who you've met is like my best friend since we were kids but James has joined us recently. He did teacher training with me, but we kind of reconnected through him watching our podcast and then coming on as a guest. And now he's on a lot. But we've got a group chat, and as you say, we we talk every day on it. And 
it's, it's became a real part of the, the week is having the, the discussions and doing the recordings. It's it's something that I would really struggle to to not have in my life now, I must admit. Right. I mean, I, I feel oh, the yeah. same. Yeah. Yeah. Very, let's, go very, let's go very deep. But anyway, uh, Kerry. <laughs> so we've talked through the film. Um, what I'd like to, to hear now is, well, for people listening, is where can they check this out now? Where can they check this out in the future? And what's the plan in terms of kind of rolling it out? If they're hearing this, like, what, a week from when we're recording or so? Uh, a few days. A uh, few days. Um, at least at the end of February, it will be, should be um, free with ads on all the major streaming platforms like Vudu, which is going to um, something else now. But anyway, um, Vudu, Tubi, um, Plex, as well. Um, it's available to. It's available check now. Out Hoopla? On Amazon. Well, it's available now on Amazon if you want to check it out on Prime Video or uh, mm-hmm. I believe I believe on Amazon and a few other uh, you know retailers you can get the physical copy on a on a Blu-ray yeah. disc and it's uh, it's got some uh, you know pretty cool features on there as well um, you know Blu-rays it's really good uh, quality but that's where it's available right now and like Kenny said uh, by the end of the month. Uh, all major streaming platforms should be able to check it out or you can uh, or you can just go on YouTube maybe look up some clips and uh, or social media if, if you can Oh, it. I would like to mention too it will be on Kings of Horror on YouTube. Um, I think starting next week. Not sure of the day yet. Well, I definitely want to support you in some way um in addition to what we're doing already, so I'll uh, I'll try and try and purchase a copy of the the Blu-ray as well. well thank, thank you. you. <laughs> no, um, no, I've really enjoyed um, having the discussion and keeping the relationship going. Um, it was it was a really interesting one because it was you. We we're just a really small uh, movie podcast, but Kenny, it was yourself that uh, reached out to us um, last year before the, the Night of the Undead. I did. Uh, I think on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. That was before it was X, but yeah, uh, it was on Twitter and uh, reached out and we've got a great uh, partnership here with you guys and uh, friendship as well. I think, you know, again, it goes back to genuine friendships, actually genuinely, Hmm. genuinely caring about somebody and uh, the people that you are working with, you know? Well, if he's ever fancy a wee trip over to Scotland. I would love that. I would love that so much. (laughs) I really would. Right. So you were talking earlier about future plans so is there some future projects in the in the mix take that one jake go ahead there, there was a wee oh. nod to earlier oh yeah <laughs> uh we we've got something that's going to be very big that i believe is uh it's going to be bigger than you know night of the undead ever was uh i believe it's going to be uh something that you know it's going to be known for uh for you know us to for a long time to come uh, i'm very excited for this i get to play a very integral character um but something i've always wanted to do 
And, uh, you know, Kenny Scott can probably tell you we've made some good connections on this film and it's going to uh, it's it's going to be big. And, you know, for people who are fans of uh, suspense, horror, comedy, uh, all of that, it's uh, you, I think you're going to enjoy it. And that is it right behind Kenny right now. Daylight's dark. OK, and when's that likely to see the light of day? We start shooting in April and uh, okay. we'll go through probably June. We shot a teaser, which is available online. I will link it to you after the interview so you can maybe link it down below or so. Nice. Yeah, sure. Um, but um, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. We uh, have Tuesday night in it from Nightmare on Elm Street 4, the Dream Master. If anybody's a Freddy Krueger fan, you probably will <laughs> recognize her. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, she's in it, and not only her, but we. our screenwriter is Roland Jewett, formerly Roland Jarrett, uh, who wrote American Vampire. Um, he has done phenomenal things in the industry. Like, this this film, it, it's, it has, like Jake said, we've just got so many connections with this film. It's, it's almost like something that everybody has been able to come together and say, okay, I know where I can contribute something to this because I have a horror following or I know who would be interested in this film because of X, Y, or Z. And it's just something that I think has really united a lot of people um, in a weird sort of way. I know it's so weird to say that about a film, you know, especially a horror film, but um, it really has united a lot of people in the horror uh, film industry or in the horror industry. Um, just uh, coming together to make something really cool. And I can't wait to get it out there for everybody to see. Are you able to give a short synopsis of what the I film is about? So. Or no, I, yeah, yeah it's, uh, you know, in a nutshell, you're going to, it's it's got the vibe of, uh, it's going to, High Plains Drifter meets the Lost Boys. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, so, um, I hope the teaser, I hope you'll enjoy the teaser. But, yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to check that out after I come off. I'll link it to you. But um, I really, I I don't, I didn't know if that was the right teaser or not because we didn't, we hadn't shot any footage yet. We had no film in the can at all at that point. But we wanted to get a teaser out there to show people what the film was going to be like tonally. And I was up. It was like four a.m. the morning after Thanksgiving, and I'd written the teaser. I'd written it on my phone. And I was like, this is it. This is it. This is totally it. This is, this is. This Oddly is enough, I will say this. At the time, I had stayed the night at Kenny's house that night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm asleep on his couch. <laughs> at 4 a.m., I'm asleep. He comes running in there in like his underwear or something. He's like, dude, wake up. I got it. And I was like, whoa, whoa, hey, what's going on? And he rolls out with this teaser, and I was like, "That's it." And he's like, "He's okay. like, wait, he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute." Uh, I wait to a sleep. I, he's like, "I need." Well, he's like, "I need coffee." I'm like, "No, you don't. It's four o'clock." He's <laughs> like, "What the hell are you doing?" I'm like, "Listen to me. Listen, this is it." You know. Um, so I didn't know if it even made any sense because I was just like in that zone, you know, when I when I wrote it. Um, and so, um, but I'm very pleased with how it turned out. Very proud of it. Well, if you need a a Scottish podcaster to make a, a virtual a video conference appearance in the film, then you know where I am. 
Well, you know, we, we, we do have this as well. Um, we are giving out opportunities for people to actually get involved in the movie um, for artists who want to do their, uh, have their work shown or even be in the film. We are uh, releasing certain, uh, um, oh, we're releasing certain rewards on our Indiegogo platform and it'll be launching on uh, February 23rd. Uh, so if you go on Indiegogo, you can search our daylight to dark and there are going to be a lot of things that people can actually choose because we're, we're wanting to involve, uh, you know, we want to involve the little guys, you know, people who, who want opportunities. That's mm -hmm. why we're doing this because we don't, we don't necessarily, we don't have to do that, but we really want to make this uh, a community thing uh, because we know this is going to be a really big project. And, uh, you know, we want to help as many artists as we can. We've got music in this thing, um, you know, covers from uh, Ice Nine Kills, or I believe that's it, isn't it? No, Nine Inch Nails. Nine, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've got a, an individual who's in this. Uh, she's done work for Warner Brothers. Uh, she's done work for Ice Nine Kills. You know, she's a professional wreath maker. Uh, you know, we, we've got a, we're involving, you know, uh, horror conventions in this to be shot in the film. I mean, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big project. So I think uh, if, it, if anybody wants to be involved in that, should definitely go check that out. That's the best place to get a hold of it. And the, that's the best place to, you know, if you want to be involved to do something is go check out our Indiegogo page because we'll have perks. You can go on there and claim and, you know, you'll, you will get to be in the film, even if it's, you know, sh uh, showing your likeness or image in there, you know, you're going to get to be a part of something that's going to be really, really cool. And I think it's going to be known for uh, years to come. So the 20, 23rd was it? Yeah, uh, yeah, Indiegogo uh, on February the 23rd. Cool. Well, I made a note of that anyway. Red, was there anything, any other future projects or anything you want to? Well, I think right now, that's, discuss? that's uh, leave it for now. I think for now, that's, that's a lot of it. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think we're pretty tied on that. <laughs> I think that's well, yeah that's pretty much it um right now that's our focus you know so and if you want to check out any of our past work uh again uh the film screecher of the lagoon uh boom the vengeance trail a night of the undead in the dark room uh you can probably search those on most major streaming platforms and be able to find them so if you want to check out our previous stuff um you know all major streaming platforms or social media for sure you guys want to share any? Don't know how how big you are on social media. Is there any platforms you use to promote your works online? You've also we got a Facebook group, Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, yeah. we have a you know, we have a Facebook group called the Undead Duo. Um, and then of course you can always follow us. Uh, you know our uh, our Instagram handles. I'm Jake C Young underscore official. Uh, what is what's yours, Kenny? Oh, well, I thought you had more to to mention. No, there. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of everything. We, we, I know I am too. Yeah, out, I apologize. Mine is on pretty much everything. Everything is the Ken Scott with two N's. The Ken Scott eight eight. Pretty easy to remember. This is why we use all these fancy buttons. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so hopefully, and I'm sure they have. People have enjoyed listening to us discuss. The dark room so be sure to follow seismic cinema and you guys on all the social media platforms and check this out on youtube and spotify and just want to say guys um thank you for giving up 
some of your evening. It's you've been a big part of my day. Um, I started off my day watching the dark room, lying in my bed, watching it, um, and then I finished off the day talking to you guys. So it's certainly been a an eventful day. Thank you, Colin, for everything as always. No, um, we really enjoy uh, engaging with you guys. It was a shame Paul and James couldn't make it, but I'll be sure to pass on their their thoughts on the, the film and the podcast as well. They need to watch the film themselves and then do a separate episode where they interview <laughs> Shane. That's what Yes, it would be good. Uh, definitely good to get uh, to get Shane on. I was I was all ready to, to gush over his uh, performance. I'll let him know. I'll have him. I'll have him to um, to reach out to you to maybe do something for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, really appreciate it. I wish you all the best with your future works, and we'll keep in touch, and we'll work, hopefully do one of these for your for your new film that's coming out in the future. Can't wait.